we start with a question this morning, and that is, what is the chief, chief purpose of mankind? Why were you created? Why is it that God created you? A shorter version of the Westminster Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That your chief purpose in your life is to live a life that glorifies God and to enjoy God. In other words, you're supposed to be what God directs, a Christian hedonist. You're supposed to get the most joy out of loving God. Now, uh, Lauren Cunningham, the founder of Youth with a Mission, he said this, to know God and to make him known. That is the chief purpose of every person. When Jesus was praying in John chapter 17, verse 3, as he was praying, he said, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so right there in that sentence, you see the purpose of your life, you see the paradigm of your life, and you really see the plan for your whole life. And that is, you are going to live eternally. The purpose of your life is to know God, and the paradigm is through Jesus. And so today, as we get together, we realize that God's purpose in our life is stated in the Bible. Even in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9, verse 23, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast in their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this. They have the understanding or the wisdom to know me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. You were made by God and for God. And we have been talking in this series made for this, that you were made for fellowship. We started the first week talking about how we're better together and that this fellowship starts with sharing, it grows in belonging, it stretches in serving, and then it's sealed in suffering. And then the next week we talked about serving, how if I'm going to grow and be who all God wanted me to be, I, I was made to serve and part of that being made to serve is that I have to be available and I need to be faithful. Not perfect, just available to what God wants to do through me and faithful. And then the third week, we really stretched the bar a little bit where we talked about how God's purpose for our life is to become more like Jesus. In fact, we use this statement, my destiny is to be more like Jesus. And I know that many of you might hear that statement and go, wow, that's a little heavy. But the scripture makes it clear that God not only justifies us, but he also grows us. And ultimately your destiny, especially on 
in heaven will to be to glorify God completely by being more like Jesus. And then last week, we practiced what we were preaching. So the fourth week was, was worship. That was the point. I was made for worship. And so we kind of talked about this for weeks. We took the big risk where we said, hey, man, we're, how often do we just come to church and we talk about something we never do it? I mean, we talk about praying and we don't pray. We talk about things and we don't do it. So last week we worshiped together. And uh, somebody tried to make it funny and said, hey, Johnny, it was really great. They brought out the snakes last week and everything. It was great. And I was like, well, I watched the video. That did not take place. No, I, and, and so I was made for worship. And looking at the woman at the well who experienced God and then had sort of some commentary about what God, who God's like and what he's like. And Jesus said, my followers will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And so in the service, we talked about that. Today, our last Sunday, I want us to look at why we were created. Part of our purpose in life is passing on the good news to others. I was made for a mission. Every person here was made for this mission. You were made for a mission, and that is to spread the good news to every person. Now, I want you to know that every person here, all of us, have a common calling. We are all called, and we all have this in common, that the Word of God is for us, the Holy Spirit is, empowers us to live and work. That's all we have in common. That's what we have in common. But here's another truth as we talk about this today, and that is that there's also a customized calling. Because some of you even sitting here right now say, or maybe even brought up in church, and you go, oh, Johnny, spreading the good news. That's your job. That's what we pay you for. Like, that's the pastor's job. And I want you to know that's a lie from the pit of hell and that you are called. You are called because there is a customized calling on your life because you will go where I cannot go. You were born into a family I was not born into. You have people that work around you in a job that I will never be introduced to. I will never know. You have a customized calling and a mission and a mission for your life. And God is calling you, and my challenge here today is to wake you up to that mission. So here it is. John 15, verse 16. Jesus said to his followers, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. There is an expectation uh, from Jesus that we would live on mission and that when we were living on mission that it would produce some fruit. It's not just a calling, it's an expectation from Jesus. And God wants to use you to make a difference in the world. You see, from the very beginning, Jesus chose his followers and he was with them and then he literally left people 
and sent and appointed them and said, go, go to Jerusalem, wait for power from on high to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And these people who were his followers was his plan all along that he would empower the church to go, the chosen people, to go and bear fruit and to build his kingdom. And that is plan A, all right? That is plan A, and there is no plan B, C, or D. There's nothing else. The word of God, people trusting the word of God, putting their faith, knowing the word of God, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, that is God's plan. And so I encourage you today, the two things, there's just two things I wanna talk to you about. The first one is this. God is calling me to bring others to Jesus. God is calling every person here to bring other people to Jesus. God wants to use you to make a difference in their life. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Paul writes to a younger Timothy, work, to work at bringing others to Christ is what he told him. You see, people were always bringing people to Jesus as you read the Gospels. When you read the Gospels, you see that they were bringing children to Jesus and Jesus was blessing them. And the disciples were like, hey man, we got like more important things. Like, hey, shh, get those kids away from Jesus. He's trying to teach us adults. And Jesus was saying to them, no, 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 bring the children to me. People were bringing those who were crippled those who did not, were not able to come on their own. People were bringing dying people to Jesus. People brought blind people to Jesus. And yes, sinners. And so Jesus gave healing. Jesus gave blessing. Jesus gave forgiveness for sinners. And I want you to remind you today that Jesus can help your friends. Your friends, all the people that you know, you know, the people that you go to the ball game with, you know, the people that you bump into the grocery store, you know, the people that you work with, the people that you go to the grocery store next to, all those people, God is calling me to bring others to Jesus. And so I want to encourage you. You might be like, well, who am I supposed to, you know, to who? Who am I supposed to bring to Jesus? Well, the answer to that is everybody I know. Everybody I know. Listen to what Jesus said. Go at once into the streets and alleys of the town. By the way, I love Columbia City. Um, it's just like Canova. Where I come up, I grew up with alleys. I like that. I used to walk to school through the alleys and all that kind of stuff. I grew up on Pine Street. I had to get over to Oak Street to go to school. I walked through the alleys to get there. And it says that we're supposed to go into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And go out to the roads and the lanes and go out 205 and go down 9 and urge all the people to come so my house will be full. Here's the question. Is anyone going to be in heaven because of you? 
I have had the honor of meeting some great people in my life. I had the opportunity to meet Billy Graham while I was in Nashville. I lived in Nashville. A bunch of, I, when I was 23 years old, and I met guys that were in the music business, different people, Max Licato, all kinds of authors and stuff. That was awesome. I've even had the chance to meet coaches. Steve Nicodemus introduced me to Tom Izzo. And different times in my life, I've gotten to meet people. And it's, it's really, a, it really kind of fun when you meet people. And you meet people that have maybe even had an impact on your life. And you're like, wow, Billy Graham. I just want you to know the greatest person I ever met was Jesus. Period. Period. The greatest person I ever met has been Jesus. And I want you to know the greatest person that you could ever introduce your friends to is Jesus. Jesus is the one. And most people are just waiting to be invited. They're just waiting to be invited. Are you going to be and bring your friends to Jesus? And you say, say well, everybody, that's, when, when am I supposed to do this? Well, as soon as you come, as soon as I come to Jesus, I'm supposed to bring others to Jesus. Look at John 1, verse 40. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. As soon, there's not, you don't get a seminary degree. So many people, they think sometimes that it's like, well, um, and this is one of the things I find that's true in church. I found it in student ministry. So many times when people come, first come to the Lord, they, they're very excited about what they're discovering and the transformation that's happening in their life. And they do bring other people. It's us oh, people who have been in the Lord for a long time. We're the stuffy, lazy, and apathetic people. So as soon as you come to Jesus, that's when you're supposed to do it. How are you supposed to do it? Well, here's something that I would encourage you to do. You say, well, how do I do this? How is it I'm supposed to do this? I don't have any kind of master's. I don't have a biblical education or anything like that. Forget all that. How are you supposed to do it? Here's very simple. Find something in common with somebody else. Find something in common and be able to talk to them. Uh, when, when I meet people out in the grocery store, I, I really... I start talking to them. I get a sense of who they are. I mean, whether they're cussing or whether they're using Christian phrases or whatever it is, you can kind of tell who they are, what's going on in their life. And I especially perk up when I hear a few cuss words and some salty talk. When I start hearing that, that perks me up. Because all at once, I'm like, yeah, I know this. I grew up in this. I know what this sounds like. And then all I'm doing is I'm listening to them and I'm also trying to agree with them when I can. And I'm trying to kind of build a bridge and have something in common. So if they're talking about how this is awful and, and can you believe this? And it's like, yeah, you know, it, I, I, I see that too. I, and they, they complain about something. It's like, you know, man, this is, I try to be gracious because you know what, people, a lot of people are gracious with me. I try to be nice because, you know what, a lot of people have been nice to me when I didn't even deserve it. And that just kind of builds a bridge. Listen, you have to be able to listen to somebody else's story. Listen to their story. And then you've got to tell your story. 
And then at a certain point, maybe you'll be able to tell God's story. See, that's, that's three story. Yeah, that's two stories right there, just me listening to your story. Do I have the love enough? Do I have the patience? Do I have the desire, the passion enough to actually be listened to you or just I like to talk? And then secondly, when I do, I'm vulnerable enough to be able to tell you my own story in brokenness, not in haughtiness. Don't blow people off. You don't just act haughty like, well, I found Jesus. I don't talk to people like you anymore. You don't do that. How are we going to win the lost if we don't care enough? So to listen to their story, I tell my story, and at a certain point, I might be able to tell God's story, the good news. Be a three-story Christian. Listen to somebody else's story. Be able to tell my story honestly, and then be able to tell God's story, which for me is grace. God is holy. There's a, for me, I have a very specific thing. Sin, faith, and then I ask the question. I have an outline of God's story in my head that I tell. So I would encourage you to be a three-story Christian. Tell somebody else. Listen to 1 Corinthians 9, 20. I'm going to read this in the Living Bible. I know I use different translations sometimes, but I love the way that Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, and he says this. He says, when I am with the Jews... I seem as one of them so that they will listen to the gospel and I can win them to Christ. And when I'm with Gentiles who follow Jewish customs and ceremonies, I don't agree, even though I don't argue because I want to help them. When with the heathen or somebody that's completely far from God agnostic, I agree with them as much as I can, except, of course, that I must always do what is right as a Christian. And so by agreeing, I can win their confidence and help them too. When I am with those whose conscience bother them easily, I don't act as though I know it all and don't say they're foolish. The result is what they are willing to let me, to let me help them. Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with them so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Here is God's promise when you do this. Only those, Jesus is speaking in Mark 8, 35, only those who give away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it meant to really live. I want to encourage you, you were created to bring others to Christ. Here's the second thing. God is calling all of us. God is calling me to go for Christ. He's calling me to bring others to Jesus, and he's calling me to go on behalf of his name. Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. So what do I do? Well, I would encourage you to look for the underdog, to look for somebody, care and help heal a broken world. Don't be apathetic. Don't let the devil make you believe a lie that you can't make any difference in this world, you can make a difference. God is calling you to go for Christ. Go to the least of these. Reach out to sinners. Reach out, like Holly was teaching last week, on the woman at the well. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 and 13? He said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. 
I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. What he's saying is, I want you to be gracious the way people have been gracious to you instead of acting religious. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus said in John 13, 15, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus touched. He loved the unlovable in his culture. He touched the marginalized. He's the one who made the religious people frustrated because he loved and touched and mingled. He was a friend to sinners. So where? Where am I supposed to do this? Well, Johnny Mac, what are you, if I'm made to do this, I'm supposed to go everywhere. Where? Well, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and we use this in missions, but this verse is important to our church. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see that? And we've talked about this as it pertains to our church in our missions that Jerusalem is where, near you, right around where you are. And then in Judea and all Samaria is regional. So it's in our hemisphere where we can fly to in one day. And then the ends of the earth is the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, all of us who are believers here today, I want you to notice the first words, you will be my witnesses. That does not say you will be my defense attorney. So many of us in this day feel like we are God's defense attorney in this day and age. God is calling you to be a witness. What does a witness do? It tells its story. It, a witness tells his or her story. Their story of what Jesus has done for them. That's what a witness does. And I would encourage you, God has called us to be his witnesses. So many of us, now I do believe that a workman should be, you know, a workman, not ashamed. You know, it, it, you should be fully equipped and ready to give an account. But so many times we almost, as we're trying to witness and share with other people, we come with both barrels blasting like we're the defense attorney for Jesus and oh no, and everybody just builds a wall around because we are not listening and loving. God's calling us. And I would encourage you to see this passage in your way. Your Jerusalem are the people right around me. God's calling you to the people all around you. Where is Samaria and where is Judea for you? It's the people that are around you, but they're not like you. They don't vote like you. They don't talk like you. They don't act like you, but you are around them. And God is calling you to be a witness to them. And then when you can, to go from where you are. God will bless every effort as you would go on a short-term mission trip, or it may be an opportunity for you to do disaster relief. In any way, shape, or form, go for him. And when you go, you might think today, by the way, 2 Peter 3.9, God does not want anyone to be lost, but he wants all people to change their hearts and lives. There are some of us, one of our struggles in the church 
is that we look at other people and the prejudice of our culture has already mandated what we believe. Even including racism. Racism is not a skin problem. Racism is a sin problem. God is calling us to be the people of God because he doesn't want anyone to be lost, but he wants all people to change their hearts and their lives. So God is calling us to do something different. So you say, where do I start? Where am I supposed to start, Johnny? I don't have any travel plans. You know what? God wants you to start right where he has planted you, right where you are. Listen to what Jesus said to a man that was healed. Go back home and tell people how much God has done for you. So the man went all over town telling how, many, how much Jesus had done for him. I just encourage you, as you find the forgiveness, as you find the grace of God, as you find the truth of God in your life, and you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you see the transformation of what God is doing in your life, that he is transforming you. I am not. So many times we believe all the lies that Satan has planted, and then God gets a hold of us, and he starts transforming us, and he makes us new. And then as we do that, so many times we kind of shut down and it becomes sort of us for and no more. God is calling you to be his witness, to go for him. Here's God's promise. Jesus said this, let me assure you that no one has ever given up anything for loving me and to tell others the good news of the gospel who won't be given back a hundred times over. Any effort you make, he says, let me assure you of this, that no one has ever given up anything in my name because you love me and because you want to tell other people about it. If you've invested in the kingdom of God in any way, no one has ever given up anything. Because when we talk about the New Testament church, we're talking about a group of people who most of us would say they were cursed by God because of the persecution. And he says to that generation, and I say to this generation, especially you who are younger, anything you do for Jesus will not come back. You will be blessed. In fact, he says, who won't be given back a hundred times over. Now, I got a Wayne County education. But I can tell you right now what that is. That is 10,000%. A hundred times over. If I told you that you could give a buck and you'd get $10,000 back, that would be a great investment, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm here to give you, I am your eternal advise your your eternity advisor here today all right a hundred times over ten thousand percent if you will give on behalf of jesus you will get back ten thousand percent now i know that on this side of heaven most of us may not see the return we may never know do you know how much i i tell my kids all the time when i back in the day when i was a youth pastor i would you know i'd struggle and I'm trying to tell truth. I'm trying to speak truth, trying to plant seed and everything. Sometimes, man, it's like 
nailing jello to the wall, man. It just sticks for a little bit and it's falling off. It's like, I don't know if anything. And then all at once, Sherry and I will get a letter from some kid who would never behave when he was at youth group. I'm in youth ministry and I'm like, fruit. Years later. Some of us may not know on this side of heaven, but your anything you do for the Lord, it will pay 10,000% in eternity. That's quite an investment. I want to encourage you today and tell you the rest of your life can be the best of your life. Leave your mark. Have purpose. Will anyone be in heaven because of you? I challenge you. You have a customized calling in your life. Don't say you're too old. Don't say you're too young. Don't say you're too busy. I want you to know you were created for a mission. Would you pray with me right now? Father, I thank you for every person here and thank you, Lord, for how fearfully and wonderfully every person here has been made. Thank you, Lord, for who they are. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to know what we were made for. Lord, we were made for fellowship. We were made to serve. We were made to literally be transformed. Lord, we were also made to worship you and Father, remind us today that we were made for a mission. Today, Lord, I pray that you would help us because this seems so hard. We live in interesting days. And I pray, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon us and help us, Lord, to live according to the truth of the word of God. Help us to trust Jesus more. Jesus is alive. We trust you, Lord, to pastor your church and to equip us for every good thing. I pray, Lord, that you would do that. I pray against every lie and scheme of the devil that would tell anybody here that they are the exception. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to know that they were made by God and for God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.